here, Destiny Church is one church. It's found in two locations. Our other location is in Republic, Missouri. It's overseen by our lead pastors, Chad, and his wife, Tasha. Uh, we're grateful for their leadership. Any first-time guests in the room, I want to say welcome. How do we feel about our first-time guests, y'all? You may notice the seat back in front of you has a card that says connect on it or welcome on it. Go ahead, grab that card, fill it out, bring it to our welcome table in front of the windows in the lobby, and they'll get you some free goodies. We all love free goodies. Amen? A couple of things I want to report on. Last two weeks, we've taken up an offering to, su- to supply kindergartners, every kindergartner in the Marshfield school system and the Conway school system. We needed to raise $5,600. We raised $7,500. Come on. So thank you. And then this Friday at WheelFed, we served a total of 261 families food, which accounts for 719 individuals who will be getting food. So the Lord is gracing us to be a part of some significant ministry and we're blessing our community in a major way. And it's because of your faithfulness. It's because of your generosity. And so, um, yeah, I celebrate with you guys. And I feel grateful and I feel proud as your pastor. Hey, uh, I know it's Mother's Day, but we've been going through the book of Philippians. And so that's still the plan today. And I'm telling you, this word is coming for some people in the room and I feel like preaching it. And if I know that it's coming for you, it's because it came for me first. Amen. So let's just jump right in. We are in Philippians chapter three, little bit of context. Paul is sitting in a prison cell. He's writing to a church that he's planted in Philippi 10 years prior. And so he has some significant things he wants to share with them. Uh, Today, we'll read chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. It says this. Um, He says, not that I have obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, talking about perfection, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody say, I press on. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will, will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. All right. The way that I do this, I like to read the passage. I like to pray. Then I like to preach. So I'm going to pray. Is that all right? All right. Jesus, we love you so much. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, uh, to share your word. I pray for an anointing this morning that would allow powerful and effective preaching to take place. And I pray over every heart that's going to hear this word till the soil of our hearts, help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your truth. Let it take root in our hearts. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't want to just hear your word. We want to live it out. We want to put it into practice. We want to apply it. Your word says if we just hear it, but we don't do it, then we're deceiving ourselves. So Lord, empower us through your spirit to respond to your word. Uh, Allow this moment to catalyze transformation in our lives. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus name. Amen. 
Last week, we went through verses four through 11 in chapter three, where Paul says the phrase, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ or that I may gain Christ. But as he writes verse 12, he clarifies, so, so granted, he says, hey, I've given up everything. I've counted everything as loss so that I might have more of him. But then he goes on to say in our first verse of today, but don't get it twisted. I I ain't perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm definitely in pursuit of perfection. Oh yeah, that's, that's my goal. The reason I'm in pursuit of perfection is because I'm in pursuit of Jesus and Jesus is perfection personified. Amen? Am I going too fast? So, so as we submit, as we have faith in Christ, as we submit to the leading of his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit is going to make us more like Christ. So to pursue perfection, Paul's really meaning being perfect as Christ was perfect, as he demonstrated perfection. Verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Something that's important for us to recognize is Paul's process and pursuit of perfection and becoming perfect, although it's incomplete, doesn't change who he's possessed by. That's good news for the messed up people like me and you, that Jesus, we still belong to Jesus even when we're not perfect. Amen. Anybody else grateful in the room? Okay. He, he says, uh, he's like, his in-progress state does not negate who he belongs to. And this is the beauty of placing faith in Christ. Second Corinthians tells us this. He made the one, the father made Jesus. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. In the eyes of the father, when we place faith in Christ, something shifts in the spirit. And all of a sudden, God sees me as right. My position changes. My, my position in the spirit changes. Through faith in Christ, I'm adopted. I become a son or a daughter of the most high God. We're adopted out of the demonic. The eternal consequences of our sin are canceled. And instead we become sons and daughters of God, clothed in righteousness that make us fit for the standard of heaven. And no one could do it for us, but Jesus something only Jesus could provide. There's no amount of good works that we can do. There's, there's no amount, there's no uh, performance that we could uh, perform on our own that we could do. It, it's only through faith in Christ. Jesus plus nothing is enough for our salvation. Where, where human effort would, would uh, there, there's, there's no situation where human effort would suffice as the mechanism that would make me or you fit for the standard of heaven. Ephesians 2 tells us we're seated in heavenly places, not because of how good we did, not because of how well we performed, but because of who our spirit is joined with. That's Christ. Amen. There's a change in our position immediately upon faith in Christ where we're born again. We're adopted by God and in the eyes of the Father because of our union with Christ, we become righteous. From the moment we as believers come to faith in Christ, we are set apart to grow and mature in Christ. We're, we're through faith in Christ, we're born again in the spirit, but the process of moving from spiritual babes 
to spiritually mature believers is just that, it's a progression. It's a process. And this is what Paul is making reference to in terms of his pursuit of perfection. He's like, hey, I'm still in progress and I get it. I'm still in progress. I'm still becoming all who God's called me to be. I'm straining forward, uh, eyes fixed on Jesus, hungry to fulfill the call of God on my life. I'm still in progress. Paul's talking about the perfection that Christ demonstrated. Our whole life, we're on a journey of becoming more and more like Christ. Um, Just because we don't always get it right, doesn't mean that we haven't been made righteous in the spirit um, because upon faith in Christ, our position in the heavenlies changed, but we're living out our righteousness in progression on earth. Went back and forth with it. If I should tell a story about a time I let my mom down or not, I'm going to spare you guys the details, but considering it's mother's day, there's been a lot of times I was disobedient and I rebelled against her. There were times I was dishonest. There were times my actions grieved her heart. But guess what? My position as her son never changed, right? I remained a son. Now, did maybe it hinder my fellowship with her? Did it hinder our intimacy in moments or in seasons? I'm sure. And I think this is part of the reason why Paul says what he says next in verses 13 and 14. Paul says this, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, meaning perfection. I'm not saying I've, I've, I've made it, I've arrived, but one thing I've done, one thing I have to do on this pursuit of fulfilling the call of God on my life, on being all of the believer that he's uh, willed and desired me to be, one thing I gotta do. He says, he says this, uh, he goes, I have to forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead as I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is Paul providing wisdom to the believers on what it looks like if we're gonna mature spiritually, if we're gonna grow spiritually, if we're gonna be true disciples of Christ Jesus, for him to continue pursuing the things that Jesus has assigned him to do. There's, um, you know, there's some things that he's gotta forget. There's some things he's got to leave in the past and he's got to fix his sights on Jesus. He's got to strain forward into the more that God has. You know, there's something that we don't talk a whole lot about in church, um, but the scripture is so clear that our earthly walk will earn us heavenly reward. And, uh, and, and it's totally separate from our salvation. And, and so Paul wrote this. And so I think when he's talking about that upward goal, that upward call of God in Christ Jesus, it, it, it's, it, it's something that encompasses that call of God. I think that encompasses a lot of things. I think, it's, I, I think it's him understanding he has salvation in Christ Jesus, but to fully live out what that means for his life. This is living a life worthy of the gospel as he understands and recognizes that God has specific things he wants to do in them uh, as, as there's heavenly reward that lies up ahead of him too, as he's obedient to the call of God. I, I think there's a lot of things that encompass this call of Christ. It's a life, it's a life worthy of the gospel. 
But I also read verses like this that I think that is important for us to make mention of. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15, it says, according to the remarkable grace of God, which was given to me, this is also Paul writing this letter to another church, to prepare me for my task like a skillful master builder. I laid a foundation and now another is building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. I know this is wordy. What he's saying is our base layer, our bottom line, salvation only comes through Christ Jesus. He is our foundation. He is our cornerstone. He is our firm foundation. Amen? Y'all with me? He goes, but if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is, for the day of judgment will disclose it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality and character and worth of each person's work. What does that mean? You and I, although we have faith in Christ, we will be at the judgment seat of Christ, and, and we will get that green check into heaven, but before we do, there's going to be a test. We will be judged for the good things we did and and the bad things we did, but praise God, Jesus has paid the cost for the sin. Amen. But there's the good stuff, the good things we did, as he mentioned, with, with, with quality, with character, the worth of it. And we will receive heavenly rewards for the things that we did. The, 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 the bad things will burn away. The things that were done with pure intentions, like he talks about in Matthew 5, not to be seen, but in worship, in pursuit of Jesus, he will reward those things. But if any person's work, which he has built on this foundation that is outcome of his effort, remains and survives this test, he will receive a reward. But if any person's work is burned up by the test, he will suffer the loss of his reward, yet he himself will be saved, but only as one who barely escaped through the fire. The sin's gonna be burnt up. The malintention's gonna be burnt up. But, but what was true and genuine will last. There's heavenly reward that our lives are bringing. Come on, that'll shift your perspective some, right? Paul also wrote this in his second letter to the Corinthians. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So up to this point in our letter in Philippians, Paul has clarified that Jesus is the only means through which salvation will come right? It ain't any performance. It ain't circumcision. It ain't the Mosaic law. It's none of those things. It's only faith in Christ. But what we have to grab hold of and what Paul is moving this letter into, the direction of the letter is changing. He's saying, yeah, you're, you're saved through faith in, in Christ, but he wants to do so much more in your life than just save you. He wants to use you. He wants to do things in and through you as he, make, as he pursues the rest of humanity. There's more that God has. He's a God of more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so he's trying to spur on the church to, to get in gear, to get on the saddle and let's ride this thing, boy. Like let, there's work to do. Let's go do kingdom work. Christ wants to do so much more in us and through us than just save us. 
And this is what allows us to not loathe obedience or be burdened by it, but we understand there's great purpose in it. I'm excited to be obedient. I think obedience is beautiful. There's a whole bunch of things happening when we're obedient to the call of Christ on our lives. Amen? Amen? We understand that Christ has things prepared for you and I that are more than we could ever ask or imagine. Christ has things in store for you that far surpass anything the world could ever offer you. Some of you need to be reminded of this this morning. And it's that truth that catalyzes this holy grit that energizes Paul's soul to get out there and get after it for the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, come on, we gotta, we gotta strain forward. We gotta strain this is, this is aggressive language. And Paul is determined to rid himself of anything that might cause a hindrance to his walk. This is a mindset that we might do good to adopt ourselves. Amen? He, he's talking about, this is, this is what it looks like. The process of becoming more and more like Christ. There's some things that we have to practically implement into our lives to continue straining forward in the call of Christ on our lives. And one of those things most practically is I've got to forget the past and I have to fix my eyes forward and I have to press. I got to press on. This word, y'all, I've been excited to preach this thing all week and I haven't even gotten to my favorite part yet. See, you thought you were the only one who was too broken to be used by God. You thought you were the only one who who struggled relying on the success or effectiveness of ministry you participated in the past. And you've been kind of hanging on to that, believing that's sufficient when God has new things he wants to bring you into. But maybe you've been reluctant to move in thinking, but this was pretty good. Five people raised their hands to receive Jesus after that Bible study. That was pretty good. You thought you were the only one held captive by your past traumas that refused to let you move forward. Paul acknowledges the danger of driving while gazing in the rearview mirror and how if we'll do that, probably going to end up crashing. If we just try to drive forward, looking in the rearview mirror, we're probably not going to get going where God's called us to be. Probably going to miss a couple exits. Probably going to not use the blinker. Probably going to run a couple red lights. The author of Ecclesiastes told us there was a time for everything. And I believe remembering is an important part of the scriptures, definitely. We see in the Old Testament, they set up altars and, and, and rocks and they uh, 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 put these things in place to remember something that God did. The whole act of Passover is remembering what God did for humanity. So granted, I'm not saying you just forget everything, okay? There, there's definitely a time to remember. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I wanna talk about discerning what are we supposed to forget? And what do we need to forget so we can continue straining forward in the call of Christ on our lives? Um, Today, I want to have a somewhat, I I think, a hard conversation. Some of you may walk out of here with hurt feelings, feel like your toes are stepped on. Um, But I believe it's like, but it's necessary for us to become who God's calling us to be. We have to take into consideration the man writing the letter, the man who's saying this himself. Paul, 
maybe outside of Jesus, the most effective ministry we've ever seen on earth. Authored, I think, 13 books of the New Testament, planted multiple churches, uh, operated in all types of spiritual gifts, literally calls out the apostles in different moments in the scripture. Yeah, he walks up to his bosses essentially and says, hey, knock it off. It's like, who do you think you are? Paul, the apostle. Okay, you are a spiritual giant. He is a spiritual giant. He's had some victories. And if there's anyone who could look back on past victories and say, I think I've done enough. I think I'm good. You have to consider this man, is, this man, this man has been doing ministry 20 plus years, yet he's still saying, but I strain forward still into what God has. So those of us who have, who have looked back and, and clung to victories in the past, it's time to let those go because there's victories that exist in today. Can you believe that? Paul saying, ah, strain forward. It's like, bro, you already planted a hundred churches. Like what else? I strain forward. Paul was beat up, dragged out of a city. They thought he was dead. He gets back up only to what? Walk back into the city. Paul was whipped. Paul was in shipwrecks. Guess who had a traumatic life? I know, I, I know this, this, this word trauma, but if anyone's experienced trauma, it's Paul. But you know what we don't see Paul do? And I want to be gentle. And I want to be kind. I want to be loving because it's real. But our culture, there's this constant cry from our, it's okay to not be okay. Okay, it is. We got to hurt. We got to weep with those who weep. There is a moment, but we can also get trapped in our trauma and it becomes a hindrance to the call of Christ on our life. You know what Paul didn't do? I can't go back there. They beat me up last time I was there. He, he, he forgets his trauma to strain forward. You know what Paul also did? Persecuted the church. Persecuted the church. Paul's made mistakes, but he forgets his mistakes to strain forward into the call. He doesn't let those things hinder him. You know, Hebrews says this in verse 12. It says, therefore, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but the author wrote this. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, this is making reference to all these, um, you know, the hall of faith that was listed in Hebrews 11. So the writer's like, you know, as heaven watches us, as we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin. So I would argue there's sin that we definitely need to lay down and we all agree upon that and we get it. Sin is, is, is what we did, but maybe hindrances are even things that happen to us that were out of our control. But they still, there's sin and there's hindrances, but I think Paul is calling us in this moment, all of it we need to forget and leave in the past. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, Jesus endured the cross. Didn't run, right? He, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne. Here's what I believe. Here's, here's what I think we need to recognize. I, I think there's a lot of us in the room 
We all wanna be spiritual powerhouses and we all wanna be spiritual giants and we all wanna live a life that's significant in the kingdom and we wanna make significant kingdom impact. Or is it just me? Am I the only one? Is there others? You want your life to be significant for Jesus. You wanna follow Jesus with this holy grit. Like you wanna like, come on, run through some walls for the kingdom. Like, let's go do this. Like I'm scared, but, but let's go do this. Like, I know I'm not the only one. We wanna mature in the spirit. We wanna grow up in the spirit. But growing up in the spirit ain't no walk in the park, okay? To be saved by grace through faith, all right? To be saved is, is eyes on Jesus, is to trust Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus, to follow Jesus. We, when we talk about this, this type of life that receives large heavenly reward when the fire burns it all up, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm speaking into this morning. Discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, following Jesus, ain't always fun. We got churches full of believers who want to be spiritual powerhouses. But every time your feelings get hurt, every time your heart gets broke, every time plans don't go your way, when the diagnosis comes, when they mistreat you, you stop running because it hurts. But spiritual powerhouses run through the pain, baby. They run. Understanding the grace of God through the spirit of God is sufficient to provide the nutrients needed to keep on going. We have to strain forward, forgetting what is in the past. Have you had a hard time forgetting? Some of us need to forget. I remember when I started preaching, people I thought would be there, they weren't there. I remember there were people who encouraged me to pursue ministry. The same people who encouraged me to pursue it started questioning, was I even fit to do it? I remember moments crying, ready to quit ministry because I thought I wasn't fit for it. But God's church needs people that are willing to seek Jesus and do kingdom work when they feel like it and when they don't feel like it, when they have supporters, when they don't have supporters, when times are good and when times are tough. What does a discouraged church testify to the world? A church trapped, a church in their feelings. What does it testify? What kind of hope does a discouraged, downcast, apathetic church display? I don't blame people for believing the good news really ain't that good sometimes. Because our lives don't testify it. Paul says, I press on. I, I press on. Because I understand his goodness. I understand what he's made way for. I understand his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I've taken myself off the own throne of my heart. Jesus is there and he's beckoning me forward at all costs. How do we do it? I think partially forgetting these three things. One, past victories. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. In the book of Exodus, you have the people who have just been set free from their slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And as they're walking through the wilderness, they realize that they're an uncivilized land. Now, slavery was bad in Egypt, but at least they, you know, got three hots and a cot. And now they're in the wilderness, wandering through the wilderness. And they're, and they're hungry 
and they don't know where they're going and there's no Motel 8 and they're like, we gotta sleep in, in the tents again. Like, and, and, and they're complaining and they're whining and God hears their cry and Moses who mediates between the people of Israel and God, God tells Moses, hey, I'm, I'm gonna give them bread. I'm gonna feed you guys, don't worry, but I want you to just eat enough bread for the day. Don't save any. And, and, and for tomorrow, stocking up like, oh, we got to get it while we can. Get it while it's hot. We got we to take more so we have enough. He goes, just eat what you can for today and trust I'll provide for tomorrow. So Moses makes it clear. He says, hey, take only what you need for today, guys. God's going to give us bread. Hey, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Only take what you need for today, okay? Don't take more. Did you hear me? Did you? Hey, did you hear me? Only today. What happens? Exodus 16, verse 19. Moses said to them, you can tell I'm a dad. Come on, shout out all our moms. Moses said to them, no one is to let any of it remain until morning. What you take, you eat. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until the morning and it bred worms and stank because it was yesterday's bread. Therefore, Moses was angry. Part of the reason some of you are not strong in spirit is because you're trying to remain nourished off yesterday's bread. But it stanks and it's rotten. Not that it wasn't good at one point. Not that when you led Sunday school at the other church, it didn't impact people and and you didn't do some good things. But that season is over. So what is it now? Or are we just, yeah, I used to do that. It was was really great. God did some powerful things. I believe it. I believe it. But, you know, it's like, but there's victories that God wants to use you to spearhead to win today. And so sometimes we got to forget past victories and live off today's bread. Amen. I get you led a ministry at your old church. That doesn't mean you get to check out now. We got ministries too, (laughs) okay? I get you spend time with the Lord Monday morning, but today it's Wednesday. So I I get you read through your whole Bible front to back in 2019, but what did you read this morning? Because you cannot live off yesterday's bread. God wants to do something today. That was that season. This is now. Second thing we got to forget, number one, we got to forget past victories sometimes. And you know what I mean by that. We always got to remember God's faithfulness. But what I mean is relying on that to sustain and fulfill the call of Christ on our lives. It's like, no, God has things for today. What if Paul did that? How many churches wouldn't have been planted if Paul didn't do that, right? Does that make sense? Good. Number two, second one, some of us need to forget our trauma. Need to forget our victories. Number two, we need to forget our trauma. Like I said, this generation loves the word trauma. It's okay to not be okay. But like I said, I think about what the author of Hebrews wrote. See, a lot of times with trauma, it's not even something we did. It's something that was done to us. It's not our sin. It's somebody else's sin. And so when Hebrews says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you, we get that. But, 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 but then it says anything else that causes hindrances. And so maybe the sin of others to us has caused hindrances in our own walk. And here's the deal. If it's, hindering in, in, if it's hindering me in my walk, then it's gotta go. Amen? 
Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily entangles us. Your trauma isn't your sin, but that doesn't mean it isn't a hindrance to your growth in Christ. And so what's comfortable a lot of times is to keep it, to blame it. We, we may even be at a point where we don't know what it, what it looks like to live without it because in some ways it's defined us. It's caused patterns and rhythms, but this is the beautiful process of being made new by Christ Jesus, by being reparented by the spirit of God, allowing a renewal of the mind and of the heart and as painful and as uncomfortable and as vulnerable as it is to expose those places. I, I know Jesus wants to heal those places, but there's an enemy who wants you to stay trapped in it. This looks different for all of us. Because I'm not just saying, forget your trauma and move forward. I think there's a proper way to heal with it, to address it, to, 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 to move forward, to, to die to it. Remember, Paul's like, this, this process of perfection is, is, a, is a process. But we have to decide that we're willing to lay it down. And so maybe that looks like you've been, you've been unwilling to go to the counselor because the counselors are for crybabies. All right, then just keep bleeding over all that, your whole family and all your closest relationships then, I guess. Right? Because counselors are for crybabies. Let's not confront the sexual abuse, but let's continue to remember the trauma of it so the intimacy of our marriage suffers for the entirety of our relationship. Let's just hold on to the trauma from the manipulative mother and the abusive father and just allow our kids to suffer the consequences. Maybe it's an unfair diagnosis that you received and you're so angry with God. Maybe it was losing someone you loved and you haven't been able to let go of the trauma of the loss. And so we push away the one in which our hope is found. The, the one in which true, genuine, real, authentic restoration is only found. The author and creator of life, the one who knows us, the one who suffered trauma himself, the one who had victories himself, the one who hurt himself, the one who was rejected himself, the one who cried, was killed, was abandoned, the, the, the one who, who knows, the one who wept. Let's push him away. When he's already spoken, if you would come to me with your trauma, I'll use it for my glory and for your good. And I know that's a painful word. How could God use something like this? Because he's able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. When I, when I say forget your trauma, I'm not meaning ignoring it. I mean properly healing from it, releasing it, knowing that if I continue to hold it, it's gonna hinder my race. We can't be hindered by anything. Isaiah prophesied about what Christ started to proclaim freedom for the captives and release darkness from the, for the prisoner. He wants to set you free. We've got to have faith to believe it. What happened to you was real. Did you? It broke God's heart, but like Paul was knocked out and dragged out of the city, he got back up to walk into the city. And so you need to know that yes, your trauma hits hard, but the spirit of God makes you tough enough to overcome it. Come on. You know, I, I think this word tough is like a dirty word now 
don't just tell me to be tough and get over it. That's not, that's not how we really deal with, we've just been, and it's like, I'm not saying just be tough and act like it didn't happen. I'm just saying the same power that raised Christ from the grave is at work within me. And so I am tough. And so I am tough. And so I can have joy. I'm tough enough to have joy in every season, not because of me, but because of the one who's dwelling within. Trauma's kept you bound for too long. He's inviting you to forget it. So we're freed up to continue pressing on. I got one more. Is that okay? So forget the victories, forget the trauma. And third, we need to forget our mistakes. First Timothy one says this, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is Paul writing. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Uh, Piano, you can come. That would be great. And Paul says this, Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst. This is the guy who persecuted the church, probably murdered people. I don't know if the church specifically says it, but he was willing to do some things. I, I would assume, I mean, we watched murders happen in front of him. All his little minions, they, they killed Stephen. They stoned Stephen to death and then they lay their coats at his feet. Like, aren't you proud of us? And Paul's, you know, Saul's just like, huh. this, this evil man, a lot of mistakes, hurt a lot of people, wounded a lot of people, done terrible things. He says, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. And so if we just, but I've done too much, but I'm too broken. All of Marshfield knows that I did. You know, small town dynamics, come on. What would people think? They won't believe me. I just, no, no, I made too many mistakes. It's like, how many people will we not testify to that God is willing and able to use anybody? I did some things. I know you guys did too. Quit looking at me like that. Come on. We all did some things. We, but we have to forget what's in the past. We have to strain forward to the call of Christ on our lives. Jesus has forgiven you. He's forgotten and he's trying to move you into what he has for you, but you're unwilling to follow because you won't forget the mistakes of your past. Listen, it's what the gospel's for. You're messed up, you're broken, you make mistakes, you needed saving, we get it, let's move on. Like, I just believe Jesus wants this room to know this morning, each one of you. He wants to whisper specifically to each heart in the room, my plans for you are so much bigger than your mess ups. Get over it. I added the get over it part, but <laughs> let's press on. I got all this ahead. I got, I got people to, to, to that I want to save. I got a business I want to start in you. I got a church I want to plan out of you. I got kids I, I want you to raise up to know Christ. I got organizations I want you to start. I got money I want you to give. I got to get up. Forget it. Let's move forward. I know the voice. No, no, no one's going to believe you really changed. 
You, you know, people are still whispering about what you did. It's a small town, but imagine, just imagine if people were able to see that God can do it in you. What kind of hope would it bring to the world? Here's why I think these three things are imperative for us to forget. If we forget victories, traumas, and mistakes, we won't be held back by once we by what we once did, what others did, or what we didn't do. Take all the excuses off the table. What we did, what others did, what we didn't do. Forget it all. We won't be held back by any of it. Paul concludes the passage with this. Verse 15, let those who are mature think this way. You content to be a spiritual baby or do you want to grow up? We got to let go of some things. We got to forget some things. We got to be mature enough to forget some things, understanding that it's robbing us from the spiritual maturity that Christ has for us. You got to let go. Got to forget. Let those who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it that, that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul essentially is saying in that last verse, so what you know, you're responsible for. What, what's been revealed to you through the spirit of God, what's been revealed to you through the world, uh, through the word, let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us continue to walk in it. It's time for the church to mature. It's time for the church to learn endurance. It's time for the church to become unwavering in our pursuit of Christ. Paul says, let us hold true to what we've already obtained. Like we just need to keep on pressing forward and quit allowing that which is in the past to hinder us. God's continuously growing us. He's molding us. He's teaching us. And so we're, we're definitely not fully developed right now, but we're gonna continue to apply and live out what he's taught us and what he's trying to cultivate in us so, so we can continue to press on towards the prize. You can dim the lights for a second. Some of you in the room, you've been held back. You're in a season of hindrance. You will not forget something you know specifically. It's sitting right on the surface of your heart. You won't forget it. And today, you need to forget it. Or you need to choose to agree with the fact that the process starts now. Maybe it doesn't happen in a moment. Maybe it will. I've experienced freedom in a moment. I've experienced freedom through process. Either way, we got to come into agreement. We got to trust God for it and believe God for it. Stop hanging on to it. Stop relying on it. Quit giving it so much attention. Today, we got to come into agreement with the fact that we're going to release it. So if you're in this room and you know there's something that's been hindering. There, there's something you've been unwilling to forget or something you need to forget. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. You don't got to shout it out to the room. You don't have to tell everybody, but I, I got to release this. I got to release this. The reason I want you to stand is, is because it's a declaration of faith and God loves faith. 
God responds to faith. And so I want to give you just an opportunity to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm serious about this. That's all it is to stand to say, I see it, I recognize it, I hear it. I'm ready, Lord. It's, I'm ready, Lord. There's more. Come on. What are y'all being so scared for? You got to maybe leave, forget your fear. Let's go. I've, I've, been, I've been held back. I'm not going to hide it. Maybe it's you got to confess. Maybe it's time. It's like, all right, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to confess it. I'm going to start to forget it. I'm going to leave it behind. Come on. This is standing is this faith And God. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Come on. There, there's something about an act of faith where God shows up, where he responds to it. If you got people around you, standing. I just want you to stretch a hand out towards them. Let's all pray. Jesus, you see those standing. You see those who aren't standing that should be. Solidify, seal this word in our heart. Give us freedom, Lord. If we allowed, if, if we've allowed any type of sin or any type of hindrance to exist in our lives that have kept us from straining forward in the call, that have hindered our spiritual growth, we cast it off in the spirit right now. And we invite the power of your Holy Spirit to resonate up within us and allow us to walk into the thing that you're calling us to, that you're beckoning us towards. We want all of you, Jesus. We want to know you like Paul said last week. If it's keeping us from knowing you in deeper, more intimate, greater ways. We, 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 we want to die to it. We want to lay it at your feet. And so we cast it off this morning. Allow freedom to take place in the room. In Jesus' name, let's all stand to our feet for a moment here. As I talked about on, on the front end of the message, that our position changes immediately where through faith in Christ we're made righteous, but it only comes through faith in Jesus. It's not how good you can do. It's not how much you've done. It's like in all this holiness walk, it doesn't even matter if, if you're not, if your heart hasn't engaged with Jesus, if you haven't trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. And so I just want to give just quick an opportunity to say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but, but, I, but I know that, that he desires that with me. I recognize that I was created through him and for him. And so today I want to give you the opportunity to give you one simple practical step to get that relationship started. Uh, it, with eyes closed in the room, with heads bowed, this is between you and the Lord. If your heart's not right with Jesus, if you want a relationship with him to begin, I want to say a simple prayer with you. I'm going to count down from three. And if that's you, shoot your hand up in the air and we're just going to say a prayer together. That's it. If you're in the room, I'm going to, I'm going to count down from three. Three two, one, that's me. I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus. Just pop your hand up in the air. Pop your hand up in the air so I know. So I know I'm praying with somebody in the room. Heart hasn't been made right with God. I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus. Ready to be made righteous. Ready for a new heart and a new mind. Would there be one? All right, we got one. Would there be two? That's fine. That's fine. Would there be two? Another one. Two. I can't see. It's too dark. Is there another one? Is there three? I'm ready. I'm ready. I see it. Thank you. Come on. Jesus is revealing himself to his kids right now. Come on. Let's scream this prayer together loud and proud. 
as we increase our faith family this morning. Would you repeat after me? Jesus, we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts. Jesus is Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross on my behalf for my forgiveness. I believe your sacrifice was sufficient to cover my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just take a moment to respond to the goodness of God. Come on.